If you'd please open your Bibles to Titus, I'd like to read for us in preparation for looking at verse 4, 3 and 4, or 3 actually. Um, We'll begin in verse 10 of chapter 1. And again, let's listen to the Lord's word. For there are many rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, who must be silenced because they are upsetting whole families, teaching things they should not teach for the sake of sordid gain. One of themselves, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. For this reason, reprove them severely so that they may be sound in the faith not paying attention to Jewish myths and commandments of men who turn away from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but both their mind and their conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him, being detestable and disobedient and worthless for any good deed. But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. Older men are to be temperate, dignified, sensible, sound in faith, in love, and perseverance. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. This is the Lord's word. Would you bow with me, friends, and let's ask for his blessing. Father, again, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this record. Not only a historic record, Father, but also a revelation of yourself to us that we may know you and know what you require of us. Father, we pray that your blessing be upon us, upon this servant, and upon these your people. We pray for your spirit's presence, Father, to... um, Help us as our minds begin to stray, as we are tired and as we see out another day. We pray, Lord, that we would be attentive, that our hearts would be receptive to the seed of the gospel. And we pray, Father, that you would help us uh, to walk after the manner in which the Lord Jesus died to save us. We ask for your grace now to be upon us and in this place. We ask all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, uh, this evening, we want to continue to look at the implications of the gospel, uh, the gospel for life. Last week, we were looking at what it meant for older men, and this week, what it means for older women. Very interesting thing that the gospel applies to all manner of people, as we've been seeing in the book of Colossians, that it applies to wives and husbands, it applies to children, it implies, uh, applies uh, to the workplace environment. And so this week, we're looking at what it means for older women. Uh, Remember this, that Crete was an island known for its unsavory culture. Again, if there were ever someone who broke stereotypes or uh, labeled people, he says, Cretans are liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Here, Paul had no problem saying that, even quoting one of their own. And yet, because of the goodness of God, who came not to heal those who were healthy, but to heal the sick, Uh, Because of his grace that came to seek and save the lost, um, we see here in his providence that he has directed his servant to go there and to preach. In the midst of darkness, the light of the truth of Christ shined, and even there, that there were those uh, who were sons of disobedience and children of wrath, 
would end up becoming sons of God. And as I was rehearsing and, and going over notes and looking at the scriptures here, I am reminded um, a great hope. If the Lord can deliver Crete, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? There is great hope still for our country. There is. But the hope lies in the gospel, you see. And, and the church being what the church is supposed to be and the Christian being that light and salt that Jesus, as we were talking about uh, this morning. He brings a great salvation here, even to the island of Crete. Even, even liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons could be redeemed. And it's no different than us today. Indeed, there were Christians on the island of Crete, and in the midst of a hard culture uh, to come out of, and uh, being attacked by false teachers, uh, we're told of these false teachers. They were rebellious men, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, men who promoted Jewish myths and commandments of men who turned folks away from the truth. <clears throat> and these men were upsetting whole families. And so the apostle has instructed Titus uh, what pastors and elders are supposed to be, how important they are, like shepherds, under shepherds, they are to protect the flock. Peter would say this in Second Peter 5. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. How important this is what elders are supposed to do. This is what pastors are supposed to, be, to do. <clears throat> I fear that sometimes in, in circles in which we run, we look for very quaffed, and polished men who, who, who can walk in courts and, and be very dignified and, and stately. And the appearance that you get of these men, and like we heard this morning in Philippians with Epaphroditus, they're hardworking, they're sweaty, <laughs> they're down-to-earth men who fight for the souls of the people. And we need to get back to this, brothers. We need to get back to this kind of care, this kind of under-shepherding, where we would fight for the lives of people. It's not a cushy position, a look-at-me position. It is the place and position of a servant of washing feet and service. Because, as we see here in the book of Titus, um, we are called to care for the congregation of the Lord's people, to see to it that they are safe from false doctrines and immoral practices, and that they are following the Lord. We are not interested in merely filling chairs with warm bodies, but seeing that those who come, those who know the Lord, will learn to follow the Lord and be his disciples. So Titus is not filling chairs, but shoring up the church, appointing elders in every city to care for the church so that she thrives and bears fruit and, and demonstrates a light in the midst of darkness. And it is a constant task, as we saw several weeks back, not a Sunday-only Sunday task. This is the point of Titus 2, 1, where he says, But as for you, speak the things which are fitting for sound doctrine. That is, it is in your day-to-day -day ordinary conversation, speaking those things which are fitting or suitable, appropriate to sound doctrine. We don't let the, the church merely say that they are Christians, but directing them how to live out the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Paul has uh, written to Titus, and now he directs how these groups within the church are supposed to live. How important, friends, 
Cretans uh, are not supposed to stay as Cretans, and you are not supposed to stay as Americans, right? And so the body of Christ comes together, older men, older women, younger women, and younger men. And, and we come and we minister the body of Christ, right? The various parts of the body of Christ, the communion of the saints, each bringing our gifts to bear upon one another. Cretans are not supposed to stay Cretans, and we are not supposed to stay as Americans. That is, make our money, retire, and then go play. He addresses men and says what they are supposed to be. You play a vital role in the church for everyone else. You must care, and you must no longer be disengaged. What is true of older men is also true of older women. Very important, and what a treasure. Like we said last week about the, the necessity of older men in the congregation, um, you cannot underestimate the value. And I'm sorry that there aren't more older women here. Because I think, and Mariah, someday you'll be older. And so tuck this away. And someday, Andrea, you'll be older too. <laughs> that was a compliment. Um, it's important. That's vitally important for older women. Again, uh, older women are not off the hook when it comes to importance in the church. Older women, he says, likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good. Now, with men, we were told that uh, the age constituted 50 years old and above, and ancient documents and things like this verified that that's how they broke down uh, the age of men. There is no definitive answer when we look to define what constitutes an older woman. Maybe it's because women never age past 29. I don't know. Um, but we, we, we don't see this. She is past the age of childbearing, I would imagine. She has grown children. She's been around a while. She has experienced some, if not a lot, of gray hair and even some wrinkles. When you start finding your nest is empty, your children are driving, your children are working, you might be around 50 years uh, old or older. Um, but we must be careful here because as, as, as Paul is addressing Titus regarding older women, um, and, and we put them and see this, uh, them in this category, culture, and we have to be very careful what culture says, culture will say, uh, you've, you've done your part, now it's your turn to relax. And the same temptations that affect men also hit women, and that's that mindset that this is now all about you. It's all about you. Remember this morning in Sunday school, we were talking about Epaphroditus, and we talked about retirement. Where's this mindset come from of retirement that has so hurt the American church? Right? We, we look at older people and we say, you've, you've, you've done your time, you've done your years, now you can go play. And, and we say this, and it's really a, to the detriment of the church. <clears throat> You get older, you slow down a little, perhaps you move over to the right lane, you visit the rest stop and you stretch, but you don't build a permanent residence at the rest stop. Our culture implies or even says, now that you're older and you've raised your children, in fact, um, you've only raised children, now you have no skills and you're pretty much only useful for the bingo tables and making deviled eggs for the potluck meals. Don't 
my sisters, don't believe the lies of our culture. And I can't, I can't stress this enough, how important it is that you not take the attitude that somehow you are not important. Where would we be without you women? And I could, I could rattle off names of women who have ministered over the years, and you just see that they are a blessing. They are a blessing to the church. <clears throat> Paul says, older women, likewise, it's not only men who are cru- crucial to the church, but older women are equally as valuable and vital to the health of the church, and you are vital to this church. If it were not so, the Lord would not have addressed you. You too are to live in such a way that is fitting to the truth of the gospel, to, as we will see, not only set an example for those who are younger, especially women, but are to encourage those things which are right and good and noble. Our culture, my friends, all the way around is quite silly and self-centered, endeavoring always to satisfy the flesh and our own dreams. We have these ideals of freedom and equality of opportunity, and they've given way to a life of personal happiness and material comfort uh, because we have removed God from our national mindset. And so we think that these things now are all about us. I honestly believe that the American dream is really nothing more than the American scheme. It is a deception and a distraction from Satan meant to keep us from serving and following the Lord pursuits to realize my human potential, the self-actualization, the I'm in love with me mentality, and we don't take up the cross and follow Jesus Christ. You are not called to sit back and say, I'm going to disengage. And I would encourage you not, like I did with the men, don't believe the lies of this culture that say you have nothing to offer. John pointed out our sister Diana, who prays and, and does the prayer ministry older sisters who are always praying I went to this crazy thing last night and um, and I'm remiss that before we went I didn't I didn't think to cover my back with prayer and it was only uh, 45 minutes before I left that I thought oh I should go pray with Andrea and then I thought and when I climbed into my car I should pray and then I was with someone else we should pray but before I left you know who called me was Barbara our sister Barbara, and I told her, Barbara, I'm getting ready to go to this thing. She goes, oh, thank you for telling me. I'm going to make some phone calls. We're going to pray for you. And she went right to work. You know, she's going to have her 90th birthday here in just a couple of weeks. And what does she do? She rallies the troops, and she's got people praying for me, people older than her praying for me as I get out there and go. And, and I look at this, and I go, what a wonderful attitude. What a wonderful spirit. Uh, that we see the culture again would say nope it's your time to relax it's your time to go spend money on yourself it's your time to be absorbed with what's fun but friends remember this this life is just temporary this isn't the final go around is it we work and we only rest when the Lord tells us to rest and when does he tell us to rest one day out of seven on the Lord's day go rest And the rest of the time, we work until he takes us home. That's when our jobs stop. And and you see, the sad thing is, is that many men and many women, they hit retirement age, they've got their pensions all lined out, and then they say, I'm going to step back from service. We have wonderful people sitting here tonight who, I'm glad to say, don't think that way. 
and I'm so appreciative of you because I've been in many churches where that was the case and our richest and smartest and wisest people fell prey to a lie from the devil. I love it uh, when the lilac bushes bloom and it's, uh, they're beautiful and they're fragrant and they cause you to want to breathe deep. Um, the behavior of our sisters should be like that in the church where we're glad to see you. They bring such aroma, such life, such fragrance to a congregation. And that's what older women do in the church. They bring, they bring a fragrance that is just heavenly. I want you to consider here, again, what the Lord has done for you. In case you're one who says, nope, I've done my work. Now I'm going to kick back and I'm going to relax. This is what the scripture says. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of his will. Though you were unlovely and most reprehensible, according to Romans 5, we were helpless, ungodly, sinful, and enemies of the cross. Consider that this is when Jesus Christ came and died. He still loved you in spite of what you were, and he came to redeem you and deliver you from the snare of Satan and the wrath of God to come upon all who reject him. Christ saved you. Jesus Christ saved you. You didn't make yourselves worthy to be saved. He saved you when you didn't deserve to be saved, and that only because of his kind intention, said the apostle. And he is faithful, and he will never put you away or forget about you or divorce you. In fact, he has gone to prepare a place for you, we are told in John 14, 3, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The world's message, again, is live for yourself and look after number one. Make it about you. It's your turn. Have it your way. But don't, don't, don't fall prey to these things, my sisters, uh, to these doctrines of demons. Jesus says to you, as he has said to us all, for I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who was sent greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Rather than getting old and retiring as you age, um, you age gracefully and you continue to serve. You continue to serve. Listen to 1 Timothy and what uh, the apostle would say to Timothy in 1 Timothy 5, 9, and 10. (coughs) We read this. A widow is to be put on the list only if she is not less than 60 years old, having been the wife of one man having a reputation for good works, and if she has brought up children, if she has shown hospitality to strangers, if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has assisted those in distress, and if she has devoted herself to every good work. This is what I would say to younger women. I say, here's a job description. Here's a job description for younger women and ministry in the body of Christ, where everyone is saying, and this is going to be very countercultural, what I'm going to say, where everyone is saying, if you want to define yourself, go... Go nab yourself a nice, big, fat, juicy career, and, and then you can prove yourself. You see what Satan has done? He's gutted the church. And, and he's, he's, he's replacing secondary things. Paychecks, they're secondary. What does he say? Younger women, this is what you should be focusing on. Ministry, 
serving. And what does he say to older women? What should you be focusing on? Ministry and serving. You're encouraging, you're strengthening the body of Christ. These are the things that the Lord calls us to. Don't imitate the worldly self-centered mindsets of this worldly system under which we live who either uh, fuel the flesh or view you as being worthless. You are vital to the health and well-being of the church, the church family. Don't go out uh, of this world playing Candy Crush and sitting around waiting to die. Don't retire. Uh, again, even even in her old age, my mother, who's now with the Lord almost a full year, um, she would regularly call me to encourage me and to pray for me. She would say, oh, honey, I'm praying for you. Oh, honey, I'm praying for you. Don't quit. Keep going. Hold. She'd say, stick to your convictions. Don't be shaken from these things. An old woman, 88 years old, and this is what she would continue to remind me and to say to me, uh, her minister son in his 50s. All that while, still needing a mother who would, who would support me like that. Um, your lives are really quite important, and I dare say you will have, you have your children who need you, and now you have your grandchildren who need you. They need these godly women. They need these, this godly influence um, on their lives. And do you know the wonderful thing about being older? You can kind of get away with things that you couldn't get away with before. I mean, who hasn't been cornered by Barbara? And she talks. I mean that not in a disparaging way. I don't know a woman alive who can get away with what Barbara gets away with. And she, and you know this, and you know it's true. And and look at her. I've I've been I've had her. I've stood by and I've watched as she has spoken to me and another man, well over six feet tall. And she's what four feet tall, five five feet tall, something. She's tiny, and she she shakes her finger, and you stand at attention when she speaks. I love this woman. And and she's she's using fulfilling her position to minister to the saints. That's a wonderful thing. We could all take a lesson from our sister Barbara with this. Right? How important your role is, how important your role is. See what it says here concerning older uh, the lives of the older women that and how they might reflect the gospel. <clears throat> older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips nor enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women. Reverent in your behavior, it's quite the opposite of the silliness, silliness we see taking place in our culture today. Some years ago, you remember there was the Women's March that was taking place. All these women gathered in Washington, D.C., donning these very silly and inappropriate caps, being foul-mouthed and angry. Their youth is fleeting, and they're promoting all sorts of godless things. What a ridiculous and, and vile picture of what a woman... You know, when women, when women are godly, they're off the charts. And when women are evil, they're off the charts. Right? You, you see an Abigail or a Mary or an Elizabeth, and then you see a Jezebel. 
how wicked. And what we saw, that demonstration, was really a demonstration of Jezebel's, of a spirit that is anti-God and anti-everything that God would stand for, the Lord would stand for, and they promoted. This is the opposite of what the apostle would be talking about here, to be reverent in their behavior. Women are to be reverent in their behavior. It's a word that's used here, only here in the New Testament, and it has to do with conduct such as would be had in a holy place. In demeanor, as befits a sacred person, it, it leads us to think of conduct and bearing such as becomes a priest in a temple. It's behavior appropriate to holiness. This is the kind of thing that we would see when, when Asaph was struggling with the, with the wicked in the land who were prospering. It wasn't until he came into the sanctuary that he's... Uh, that he sobered up and it dispelled his bitterness that God will do what is right. There's a weightiness, there's a, there's a holiness. And so the idea here is that this woman is not a silly woman. The older woman's not to be running around and getting caught up with, with these, these vile things in the world. Rather, she is a woman who carries herself with a dignity and um, a sacredness, um, an otherworldliness, so to speak, it's not a behavior like that of the world. The Proverbs 5, 6 says, um, don't, not to be like those who, who don't ponder the path of life, whose ways are unstable, whose, whose ways are boisterous, rebellious, and always running away from their homes. That's the Proverbs. But like those who live in the light of God's countenance, like an Anna in the temple, she would pray and fast like Mary and Martha who would minister to Jesus and his disciples, like Phoebe who was known to be a servant in the church, like Priscilla and Aquila who worked together and ministered to uh, Apollo. Like a, a, a Lydia or a Euodia and Syntyche, women who had reverent behavior, they were not inactive women, but also they were not drawing out attention to themselves. They gladly that stepped into the church, the whoop and wharf of the church, and they ministered in a very godly, careful way. And this is what I would encourage that older women should be doing. And not taking your place off to the side and, and saying, well, I'm not going to be involved, and I'm not, I don't know, you need to get involved. Be involved. Step in. Step into their lives. Step into the work. Step into the ministry of praying and teaching and encouraging ministering he says there to be reverent and secondly he says not to be malicious gossips here this word malicious gossips this phrase it comes from the word diabolos from which we get our word devil it's a uh, used 34 times in the new testament for satan who is the father of lies and a murderer if you are the lord's you have no business serving as a tool of satan to do his work women generally speak uh generally speaking, rather, are more verbal than men. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> it, is, it is a fact that women generally speak thousands of times, thousands of words more than a man. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. It can be used as a bad thing when we become tools of Satan, when we become malicious gossips. We must be very careful with our tongues we are not strangers to the destructive power of the tongue. 
when we talk. So we can get into ministry, right? And we can help and we can serve. But if we're not careful, we become an instrument of destruction for uh, to be used in the church. James 3, 5 through 12 says this. See also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and curses. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh uh, malicious gossips are, are, are words that um, destroy, they slander. Their intent is to belittle, to shame, to tear down, and it's not constructive speech, but destructive speech. Women, we need to be careful with our speech. We need to be careful with our tongues because we have words and we're, we're good with words. But those things can become a destructive thing in the church if we are not careful Again, Paul would say in Ephesians 4, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. How easy we trick ourselves into thinking we are doing the Lord's work when really we are playing into Satan's hands, when we have a prayer request that needs just must be shared, or a concern about the church uh, we think others need to know. Don't be a malicious gossip. Be careful with these things. And he goes on to say, You are not to be enslaved to much wine. This is a strong phrase that refers to to drunkenness. John MacArthur writes, As many of them have done throughout history, older people on Crete sometimes turn to drink as a stimulant and a a means of um, ameliorating the pains, frustrations, and loneliness of old age. He is not saying that it's wrong to drink a glass of wine. But don't, he says, don't be enslaved to it, to be held under its control against one's will. Sometimes we turn to alcohol or pills or food instead of to the Lord. Again, a caution for us. Someday, I think, I would like to write a book about old age. It is such an important thing, and I feel so deeply uh, for older people and how important they are. Again, I think it's the lost, I think they're the lost treasure in the American church. And, uh, you know, we, we, we put them out to retirement and we put them in nursing homes and we forget about them. And they, they care so much and they have so much to offer us. Um, you must think of the example that you are setting for those who look to you Drunkenness is not that. What do you believe? Do you believe God's word? Are you walking by faith, standing upon the truthfulness and surety of his promises? Our young men look up to you as mothers in the Lord, as well as our women, not only as mothers, but as models. They look to you to follow and to imitate what you do. And I watched this the other day. 
with my wife teaching our granddaughter to throw bean bags in a bowl. It was the sweetest thing. And um, uh, we had a birthday party yesterday in the park, and, and my wife was supposed to bring a game. And so she brought some big salad bowls, and she brought bean bags. You know, these are for little children. And the year-and-a-half, two-year-old comes up, and she grabs the bean bags, and Andrea shows her how to throw the bean bag into that bowl. And I realize this is a very simple and childish, um, childlike illustration, but it was so important as I'm watching this, and Addie throws the bean bag into the bowl, and Andrea would go, very good, that's wonderful, and the little girl would smile, and she reinforced it again. She took a bean bag, and she drops it in the bowl, and my wife cheers, and I watched my granddaughter be taught by her grandmother this very basic little game of how to toss a bean bag into a bowl. In the same way, you older women now come alongside younger women who it's not tossing a bean bag into a bowl, is it? It's, how do I get along with this man who seems to be impossible? What do I do when he does this? Or how do I change and how do I deal with this child who's, who's refusing to be potty trained? What do I do when I don't have enough sleep and I'm just dog-tired? What do I do? Our finances are tight. Um, the, the relationship is tense. And this is where older women, having gone around, set the example and they step into the life of these people and they begin to instruct them in the ways of the Lord. This is what we did. This is how we handled it. Sweetheart, this is what the Lord says. And he's true to his word. Trust him and stay the course. You know how important you play a role? A woman's not going to generally listen to a man talking about those things. Because the man will try to fix it, and he'll just say, well, just do this. <laughs> and it won't help. But an older woman can do this, you see. And the next generation of, of children depend upon this. Our women and men, they look up to you as, as mothers, but especially our younger women look to you as models as to how do I do this thing? How do I do this thing called life in the church? How do I do this thing as a Christian woman? Finally, he says that they are also to be teaching what is good so that they may encourage the young women. Your words are not to be discouraging or destructive. Your behavior, um, your behavior should not be faithless and dark and worldly. But, my sisters, you bring uh, uh, examples full of life and light and truth, teaching and instructing in that which is noble and excellent and lofty. My older sisters, you don't get to check out of life, and I would urge you, please don't. Please don't. You've raised your children. You remember all of the things that you went through, and now you are able to help those who are younger. You have younger sisters right now who are saying, what should I do? And you are in a position to, to help them and to strengthen them. Your calling is to speak what is good and true and to bless especially the younger woman. And this is not instruction uh, necessarily for a women's Bible study. And I want to say that again. This is not instruction necessarily for a women's Bible study. This is instruction for how do we live 
a life unto the Lord for the blessing of the next generation. And, and I, I'm not a rocket scientist, and you don't have to be to look at our culture and look what's under attack and look what's falling apart right now. It's the Christian home. And women who are being told and lied to that their job as women, as mothers and wives, is secondary and not important because you don't have a paycheck. Now, I don't care if you work, but you can't neglect your families. You mustn't neglect your families. Nobody else is going to raise those children like you are. And they need you. And our younger women need our older women to come alongside of them to encourage them. Uh, this is what the Lord calls us to be about. And this is how we live as citizens of his kingdom while we live on this side of heaven. We're going to stop here and we will resume in two weeks' time, next Sunday night, remember, we will not have an evening service. Uh, but in two weeks' time, we will come back and we will resume this. I think it's such, uh, it's such important information, especially pertinent to the day in which we're living. If you'll bow with me, we'll pray. Father, again, I thank you for this night and thank you for these brothers and sisters and pray especially for our older women. I thank you, Father, for them. And I thank you for this congregation of older women. I truly do, Lord, for I know that there's not a single one of these older women who doesn't care, uh, but who loves. And I pray, Lord, that um, while they do love, I pray that they would love, continue to grow in their love, and I pray that they would be affirmed in their calling now as older women in this congregation. And I pray, Father, that you would raise up older women throughout the churches, even the churches represented here, uh, that our younger women, our young moms, would be encouraged and strengthened in the work you've called them to. We pray, Father, that the lies that have been, um, that we've been saturated in for decades would begin to dissipate and fall apart, and that we would begin to find our place once again in the household of faith, each man and each woman, fulfilling their callings and their roles as you have designed it to work so that we might be strengthened by grace and encouraged in the faith, teaching, Father, our littlest ones to look to you in faith, um, trusting and serving you all of their days. Would you, Lord, please look upon your church, and would you, Lord, please bless us? Would you turn our hearts back to you? We ask in Jesus' name, amen.